Good morning and welcome to morning worship in the parish of Castlwchur and Gosainen. My name is Adrian and I'm the vicar and it's a joy to welcome you to our service this morning. I'm pleased to share that after six months of worshipping together online, from next week we're looking forward to beginning to offer face-to-face worship again. Services will begin on the 16th and 17th of September in Gosainen and then in Lacha respectively. And our first Sunday will be the 20th of September. 
Things will be a little different for a while, so please look out for instructions on our website and through your email if you're a member of our church family. We look forward to sharing more, but more importantly, we look forward to seeing you very soon. As we begin our service for this week, let's pray together. Almighty God, whose only Son has opened for us a new and living way into your presence, give us pure hearts and steadfast wills to worship you in spirit and in truth. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So let's worship.
The reading today is taken from Matthew chapter 18 verses 21 to 35. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, Not seven times, but I tell you, seventy-seven times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his lord offered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves, who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay me what you owe. And then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. And then he went and threw him into prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their lord all that had taken place. And then his lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave, as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his lord handed him over to be tortured until he could pay his entire debt. So, my heavenly father will also do to every one of you, if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be now and always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our great Redeemer. Amen. I once read the story of a man called James, whose childhood experiences left him seething about his father. He remembered his coldness as a parent, his impossibly high standards, and the punishment that he suffered at his hand, and sometimes even at his belt. James had sought to erase his father's influence from his life, but this hatred that he had for his father actually influenced every major decision that he'd ever made. He declined a place at university, knowing that it was against his father's wishes. He chose a wife that he knew his father disliked, and the marriage was a disaster. And he stayed abroad, when the only thing that he ever wanted to do was to return home. These things were done to get back at his father. But in all honesty, who really suffered? Martin Luther King once said that hatred is like a boomerang that circles and comes back to hurt us. Forgiveness is important, not just for the perpetrator, but also for the victim, helping them to break away from anger and bitterness, which can sometimes freeze them in the past and destroy their joy and hope for the future. As we saw last week, Jesus has been teaching his disciples how to deal with fellow Christians when they commit a sin against their brother or sister in the church family. This prompts Peter, keen to impress Jesus, to confirm that he should indeed forgive his brother seven times. 
a generous act in itself at the time, because conventional rabbi teaching limited forgiveness to three times only. Jesus, however, doesn't confirm Peter's question, but he blows the disciples' minds, saying that disciples should forgive 77 times. And in essence, 77 times indicates that Christian forgiveness should be unlimited, no matter the number of offences made against them. Imagine the disciples' reaction. Do they think that it was something that they were pleased to hear, or are they incredulous about it? To be forgiven infinite times is wonderful news, but to have been the repeated forgiver... I suspect that that wasn't so easy to swallow. How and why could Jesus expect unlimited forgiveness from them and in 2020 from us? Jesus explains in a parable, the parable that we've heard today. The servant who owed 10,000 talents was probably a high official responsible for delivering the taxes in a province that he oversaw. The amount of debt that he owes is rather absurd. A denarius was believed to be a reasonable amount to pay a labourer for one day's work, and a talent was 6,000 denarii. That is at least 20 years' worth of a labourer's pay. And given the shorter life expectancy in biblical times, it probably represented a servant's lifetime's earnings. So 10,000 talents was the equivalent of millions, a hopeless debt that could never be repaid impossible and unachievable, but fairly owed to the king who'd lent the money initially. Yet, when the servant begged to be given more time to repay the debt, the king is moved with compassion, and he goes beyond the request, forgiving the entire debt. This is unusual behaviour for a king who had every right to get his money back. And let's be honest, what was extra time going to achieve for the servant? It wasn't going to magically produce 10,000 talents, was it? At the time, the consequence of not being able to repay the debt was that the servant, his wife and his children, and every item that they owned would have been sold, and the money made would have been given to the king as debt repayment. Biblical day bailiffs may have been involved. Not pleasant, and not what the servant would have wanted but he had no other choice, no other way out at this point. The servant was at the mercy of the king, and the king lavished mercy on him and his family. He got to keep everything that he owned, and the 10,000 talents that he'd borrowed, with no strings attached. Wow! What an impact! You don't forget that kind of forgiveness and mercy in a hurry. If it were me, I think every little mundane task that I did from that moment on would constantly remind me of how much I could have lost and how much I owed to somebody else who had been so merciful and forgiving in my failings. Or would I? Would you? Maybe in reality we'd have been more like the servant in the parable today. You'd expect the king's life-changing generosity to affect the servant's heart and his behaviour towards others who'd wronged him in turn. But instead, we read that soon after, the servant found himself in a similar position to the king. This time, his own servant owed him three months' wages, a minuscule amount compared to the servant's own debt. 
And what did he choose to do? He physically threatens him, and he demands payment immediately. He watches his servant do what he'd done before the king. He falls on his knees, and he begs for more time to repay it. But he fails to see, or perhaps he chooses not to remember, the parallels between his dealings with his own servant and the king's dealings with him. The story doesn't end so well for his servant, because he's thrown into prison until he can repay the debt. This isn't only unmerciful, unforgiving and ungracious. It's cruel, because how on earth might the servant repay the debt when he's in prison? The king hears about this, as other people observing this behaviour are greatly distressed on behalf of the servant in prison. The king, who'd demonstrated such unexpected grace, such forgiveness and undeserved favour, doesn't fail to see the parallel, and he challenges him. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant, as I had mercy on you? Everyone knows what the answer to this really is. This unmoved servant didn't, though. And what happened to him? The king revoked his generous offer, and he redemanded the payment of his original debt, or faced the original consequences. There are other parallels in this parable, for the disciples and us that we meant to take away. Jesus is the one who, though owed a great debt from each one of us, due to our sin and rebellion against him, is moved to compassion by our inability to deal with this mess. Whether we realise it or not, he chooses to experience dying for us on a cross and taking the penalty of our sin, so that the mess between us and our Creator God disappears. He pays the costliest price to make forgiveness and friendship with God real for us. And when we choose to accept this, he expects us to have a new perspective on how we interact with others who've wronged us again and again, always keeping in mind the enormity of what we individually have been forgiven and freed from. Like many of you, I've experienced wrong done to me by others, but not to the extent that I've had to bear the kind of pain that some of us have had to suffer. We all therefore need to be careful in applying this teaching to others. We need first, and perhaps last, to apply it to ourselves, whatever our situation and experiences. I want to finish by going back to the command of Jesus to forgive your brother and sister 77 times. What does that look like in reality? Claire and I have been married and living together for over a year now, so we've had plenty of opportunity to practice this and to get it wrong too. I don't know why, but Claire hates it when I'm not ready on time to go somewhere. She tells me that before she met me, she was never late for an appointment or a meeting. It drives me up the wall when Claire leaves her clothes in a supposedly tidy heap at the end of every day. In the last twelve months, these small things have caused quite a lot of angst in our house. It's been unnecessary angst, really, if we'd fully heeded Jesus' helpful advice. But we're learning, day by day, Every time we run out through the door five minutes late, 
and one messy heap at a time. It's unlikely at 35 and 40 years old that either of us is going to change our personalities drastically. So to be able to get some perspective each time our fuses blow at the other person's repeated offences is a must. I know you can all relate to what I'm saying. Everyone who's ever lived with another person, worked with a colleague, had lessons in school with friends. You all know what I'm talking about here. It's really hard, but I love Jesus for sharing this parable with us. It's a practical parable for practical Christian living. And it works. Taking some perspective of the bigger, wider picture between what's gone on between us and God actually helps give perspective to those little, repeated offences and debts that we are owed on a daily basis. Claire tells me that she finds it much easier to choose to forgive my lateness for the 275th time when she puts it into a bigger perspective. Although I should add that it sometimes takes her a few hours to get there. This isn't easy. Believe me, I know. I find it immensely difficult to see the bigger picture. In the moment when the only thing I can see is that the house is messier and more cluttered than I want it to be. That's why we need Jesus' help. And it's okay to ask him to help us to see that big picture. Again and again. So that we can forgive others again and again. I'll leave you ponder on these words. And to think in your minds... What are the day-to-day grievances that you need to ask Jesus to help you see the bigger picture in? As ultimately, the more each of us is able to do this, that will lead to more fuller, joyful and more peaceful lives. Amen. So in the stillness of our own homes, let's turn to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your promise that where two and three are gathered together in your name, you would be there among them, listening to their prayer. Hear us and be with us today, we pray. 
We pray for our world in all its needs, for all the nations of the world, that they might know stillness, harmony and love. We pray especially for those parts of the world where there appears to be a resurgence in the coronavirus. We pray particularly for our own country. We pray for Wales and for the county borough of Carfilly. We pray for the people there, that they would know your presence and that they would be free from anxiety. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for all world leaders, that they would be given wisdom and insight to know what to do for the best to suppress the coronavirus, to look after the well-being and health of the people of the world. We pray for parts of the world torn apart by war and conflict, that they would know real stillness and peace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray today for our young people, for children and families, for schools and colleges, having reopened after a long extended period in lockdown. We pray for teachers and for auxiliary staff, those working hard to keep our children safe and well. Father, would you bless them in their endeavour and be with them. We pray today for the elderly and for the infirm, and for those caring for residents in care homes across our land, that those places would be free from the virus and their residents be kept safe and well too. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the church throughout the world, and especially for the church in Wales. We pray for John, our bishop and archbishop, and for all the clergy and people of the Diocese of Swansea and Brecon. Father, thank you that we are people that bring hope, people that bring love, people that ought to, through their lives, offer others a glimpse of Jesus. We pray, Father, that knowing the depths of forgiveness that you have given us in Jesus, that we might be able to see that big picture and repeatedly forgive those who wrong us. We know, Father, that that's hard, so we pray for the gift of your Holy Spirit to empower and to teach us to forgive day in, day out, so that we might live happier, more joyful and more peaceful lives in Jesus' name. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We continue to pray today for the communities of Gosainan and Lacha, for people young and old, that they would know God's blessing in the midst of their adversities and that in joy they would acknowledge him too. We pray particularly for those who are unwell at this time and for those who are vulnerable. We pray that you would surround those who are anxious about leaving home as shielding comes to an end. Lord, would you be with them? Would you comfort and encourage them? Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We continue to pray too for those who are grieving having lost loved ones at this difficult time. And today we give thanks again for the life of the Reverend Kay Morgan, who faithfully acted as NSM curate in Lacher for many years. Thank you, God, for the way that she touched our lives. 
and we give thanks that because she built her life on the rock that is Jesus, now she shares in his promises. Thank you, Lord, for that incredible hope that you give us, even in the face of death, that we might know and experience new life. Lord, in your mercy. Finally, Lord, we pray for ourselves. Please would you forgive what we've been. Would you accept what we are and in your mercy would you help to direct what we will be so that our lives might tell out something of your incredible story and so that others might catch a glimpse in us of Jesus himself and come to know him and to love him. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Well, as I said at the beginning, we're really looking forward to seeing you face to face once again. 
Please check out our website, syncath.org.uk, for more details, or look out for the email explaining how it is we're going to be putting procedures in place to make sure that you're safe and that you're well when you come to worship. But for now, I hope that you've really enjoyed the service. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen.